Welcome to this day that the Lord has made. I'm Joe Van Hoogen, and this is the Bread of Life. Our program is presented by the International Disciple Making Ministry Church Partnership Evangelism. I encourage you to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world. You can follow the links at our webpage, breadoflifeboise.org. There you'll also learn about our Missions Church Fellowship here in Boise, Idaho, and it's from that fellowship that we share with you God's Word. Today, we continue a consideration of how God ministered to the defeated and discouraged Elijah. Elijah has run from Jezebel in fear for his life. He's acted in the weakness of his own flesh, and he feels the failure of it as well. He asks God just to let him die. God stoops to the prophet, and the first thing God does is feed him. God knows just how to care for us when we are down and discouraged. sleep. God gives it to us. This physical gift of refreshing your body and the Spirit gives it to us. Now I know if you're a sluggard and you're lazy it's not a good thing, but if you're a saint it's a good thing that God gives to you. We know it. We need these things. It's a gift that God gives to us. God gives us needed rest. And By the way, you'll see this illustrated again and again in the Bible as well where God does this for different ones. You remember when Jacob was fleeing Esau In Genesis 28, God gave Jacob rest. God gave Jacob such wonderful and profound sleep that he made a stone that he had for a pillow be comfortable enough for him to rest his head upon to sleep, and he fell asleep. And in that deep sleep, God opened up his eyes in a dream to see heaven opened up, and a ladder came down from heaven, and down from the ladder came angels ministering to him and serving him, and God gave him a vision. That place, when Jacob woke up, he said, this place is Bethel, this is the house of God. God was in this place and I knew it not and God revealed himself in comfort and encouragement and and restoration in his sleep. God would do that for us as well. And so listen, our bodies are temples of the Holy Spirit and they're meant to be presented to him and to be used by him. But we don't score spiritual points by abusing our bodies. We don't show that we're being more useful for God and more responsible with that he's given us by being abusive of our physical bodies. We need to give our times to get rest and sleep, and it's God's strategy as well. First, he just sustains him with sleep. Here's the second thing God does for Elijah. In condescending to Elijah, he gives him some supernaturally sustaining food. It goes along with this idea of providing for our practical, physical care needs, but it extends beyond that because you see that what he gives him is enough to carry him on a very long journey to another place. But first, God provides this meal for him, and he feeds him, and he ministers to him. And Touching again on this idea of our physical needs, let me quote to you Charles Spurgeon. Charles Spurgeon wrote this as old advice. It says, It's wise when addressing the depressions of people to always first inquire as to their physical health and diet. Make sure that they're getting something good for their bodies first, sleep and food, but there's more than that that's being offered here. On this occasion... God is miraculously providing for Elijah. In the past, when Elijah needed food, he sent ravens to feed him. And then later on, God sends him to a widow to feed him. And now God comes and feeds him through an angel. And how wonderful is that? God providing for him and God meeting his need and God coming to him. And I want you to notice something in this passage. It says here that when this food came to Elijah, that he, he wasn't hungry for it. He didn't pounce upon it. He actually had to be encouraged and instructed to go and eat it. 
It's possible when you need food the most, you have the least appetite for it. When you're the most discouraged, when you need to be sustained the most, you have the least desire for it. And the same is true not only of physical food, but it's even more so of the spiritual food of God's word. The very time in which God needs to feed you and minister to you as truth is the time when in your discouragement, you're the least likely to go and get it. You have no appetite for it, but you're supposed to eat it anyway. God's prepared it for you. He's laid it out for you. God calls you to come and eat what he's given you and to, it will sustain you. And so when you find yourself in a period of time of spiritual dullness and discouragement, I want you to, at that moment of time, more than at any other time in your life, avail yourself of God's word and read it because the journey of life is too great for us to go forward without sustaining ourselves on the food of God's word. Here's the third thing here. God gives to Elijah a sense of his touch. Verse 5 says, suddenly an angel touched him. Actually, the King James says, behold, or look, an angel touched him. In verse 7, we see what kind of angel it was. It says, the angel of the Lord touched him. This probably means it was a theophany, which means that it was an expression or revelation of God's presence taking on human form and coming and touching, or the form of an angel and touching him. It could be a Christophany, which means a a pre-incarnate expression of the Lord Jesus Christ coming and ministering to him, taking on the form of an angel or taking on the form of a human being and touching him. It, It could mean that it was just an angel, but just an angel? Just an angel, whatever it was. It is an expression of God drawing near and bringing the touch of his own life upon Elijah. God's arm is not shortened. His desire is to touch our lives with a certain knowledge and comfort of his presence. The Lord Jesus does not want to leave us to ourselves even in our rawest and most broken moments. Particularly there, he wants to come to us. The Lord Jesus is speaking to individuals just like that. And by the way, when you came and received the Lord Jesus as your Savior, in that moment what happened or what should have happened was you came completely broken of your own self-confidence. You had run to the end of everything you thought you could do in your own life and your own power. And in a moment of broken desperation, you turned to Jesus and He received you. But then what God does is God wants you to live your life in that gospel all the time. And so God allows you as a Christian to come to moments of repeated brokenness and disappointment and discouragement. So in the same spirit and in the same faith, you might turn back to Him. And when you do, you know what happens? He meets you there. He says, I'm calling to you always, and you forgot about it. You extended yourself and your own confidence and your own strength, and I let you fail. And I let you suffer in this moment so that you would remember that I said, I will never leave you and I will never forsake you. So you would remember that when all men forsake you, I won't. Paul said that. At my first offense, everyone departed from me. No one stood with me, but the Lord was with me. Paul needed to learn that at that last moment in his life. He needed to learn it. Here was a man who had gathered around him all kinds of individuals who had been impacted by his ministry and by his service. And I'm sure it brought him a certain measure of comfort. And yet as he came towards the end of his ministry... God had to reveal to Paul what Paul needed to know all along. It's not them that's important, Paul. They can all depart from you. What's important, Paul, is I won't. I'm here with you. Jesus said, come unto me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I'll give you rest. 
He expressed the desire of the Father when he was coming over Israel and heading into Jerusalem to suffer on the cross. He said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, how often I would have like a hen gathered you like chicks under her wings. That's God's desire, that we'd rush into him and come under him and find his comfort. It's his invitation to us, to our faith. It's to rise up in us, particularly in times of struggle and great disappointment, to go to him. And I don't know exactly how it happens, and I don't know how to exactly describe this to you, but he touches us, and he brings us his comfort, and he brings us the certain knowledge, behold, look of his presence. He's there, and he's there to meet us. There are all kinds of ways in which the Bible expresses this relationship we have with God and the way that we encounter him and the, Jesus spoke about it on a number of different occasions and they're almost always kind of poetic words that we can't make sense of. It's him coming and eating within us. It's water rushing out of our inmost being. It's, it's coming to a mother hen and coming underneath his wings and there are all these expressions that are these poetic, wonderful expressions and the reason is that the experience of God and his presence, his life and his touch is so profound that we, we have no way to really put it in words that anyone can understand. We just have to make allegories and we have to only express it in certain ways that are poetic. Because it's so profound and it's so wonderful and it's so good and it's the life that he offers to us. Come in and rest upon me. Come settle your life upon me. And God brings to us, God brings to us his touch. And God meets us. But here you might be able to experience, express that. Just your life, at some moment, at some time, at a moment of estrangement, a moment of disappointment, a moment in which you thought you had nothing else to cling to, and at that very moment, God said, I'm here. Cling to me. And actually in that moment, you found out that was the best of all. And you wouldn't want to now lose that moment. Because you wouldn't want to lose the lesson that he's there. He's there to touch us and hold us and keep us and bear us up under his wings. Do you see how patient and tender God is? Do you see how God pities Elijah? Do you see how he comes to him and he cares for him in a way that we can never imagine? Isaiah 42.3 says of the Messiah that a bruised reed he will not break. We read it in our scripture reading this morning. A bruised reed he will not break and a fainting burning wick or a faintly burning wick he will not quench. Instead he comes and he tends to us and he nourishes us out of his abundant mercies. I would only just say to you just for a moment, never create a fixed stereotype of God. He's a mystery. You can't entirely understand him. At one moment he will stun you with fire falling from heaven. And the next moment he'll quiet you with sleep and a plate of food and a gentle touch. He's not a cosmic therapist and he's also not a flame-throwing Zeus. He's wonderful. He's inscrutable. He's mysterious. He's matchless. Reverence him. Honor him. Look to him in all you need. In your moments of defeat, rest in the knowledge that what has failed is others. What has failed is you. But God has never failed, and he never will. He invites you to come back to him and rest in his strength. Let's bow our heads.
All else will fail us, God. Everything that we rest upon other than yourself will be like a reed that would break and pierce us through. Resting ourselves on ourselves, we'll we'll impale ourselves on such a false trust. Resting on others, they will not prove true. But you, O God, are forever true and can be trusted. Though you slay us, we can still trust you. You'll honor your promises. You'll honor your word. You'll provide for us. You'll meet us. You'll care for us. And, and thank you for your faithfulness, God, in meeting us in the simplest and plainest ways and help us to measure it and see it. The restoring of our bodies, the restoring of our souls by your word, and then the giving of your presence to us and your life to share with us that experience of a relationship with you that ultimately is above all things and projects us into unending hopes. We praise you for that and we glorify you. And we want to, in the strength of those things, continue our journey all the way through until you call us in your presence. In Jesus' name. Well, thank you for listening to the Ministry of the Bread of Life. To learn more about our ministry, let me suggest you go to one of two websites. First, go to traincpe.org, traincpe.org, to learn more about the work we're doing all over the world to equip and engage the body of Christ in personal evangelism, discipleship, and church planting. Or to learn about our work in your community, go to breadoflifeboise.org. Until the next time, God bless you.